0: Hi there. I'm Taylor Carman. I teach philosophy at Barnard College, Columbia University, and I work on early 20th century European philosophy.
1: Uh, and I'm Eric Kaplan. I'm a
0: philosopher and I'm also a, a Hollywood comedy television writer. And you are listening to Terrifying Questions and How Not to Be Terrified by Them, which is a philosophy and comedy podcast in which we reflect on disturbing and unsettling questions and try to reach a place of equanimity Insight, wisdom, and inner peace, if we can. And courage. Don't forget courage. And what? Courage. Courage. And courage. Courage is a very important part of the equation, absolutely. And we are here today with Andy Choi, whose musical project goes under the name St. Lennox. And St. Lennox has now released four albums, and a fifth is on the way. But Andy is also a lawyer, and he also has a PhD in philosophy, so that's three of us and uh, he's a prize-winning violinist, and he's a chef. And what can you not do, Andy? I would like to know. Um... You don't have to answer that
1: question if you don't want. (laughs) You know, there was this famous song, since we're talking about songs about Spider-Man, that he could do whatever a spider can. Oh, yeah. And I think one thing a spider could do that Spider-Man couldn't is listen to a sentence in English without comprehending it. (laughs) That's that's. Probably right. Yeah.
0: Good luck trying. That's right. If you yeah. know the language, try not to understand it when you yeah, hear. Yeah,
1: but it. a spider does that, like rolling <laughs> off a log.
2: Well, and and Sp- Spider-Man can't raise.
1: Six arms? No. Ah, good point. No, he can't. He can't fit in a very small bottle. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of things. Uh, it's a bold. It's a bold. Well, of course, but maybe that's not the purpose of a song. Like maybe we're not responding to a song the way this lyricist intended. We're missing the point. <laughs> to come up with counterexamples.
2: He, he doesn't eat eat his partner after mating.
1: Right. Well, he could. As far as
0: we know, he just
1: doesn't want to. <laughs>
0: chooses not to which is admirable okay oh yeah so we have as usual a terrifying question and our terrifying question this week if i may say it can you succeed in the music business without selling out that's our terrifying question and we have a musician as i said saint lennox is here with us in person to tell us about this uh is this a question you've asked yourself uh andy
2: (laughs) i mean i i think i've i've asked Variations on the question. I okay. don't know. As I was thinking about it that this last week, I was like, you know, when people talk about that possible compromise, there's a lot of different things that people might be thinking about. But in in a very simple way, you might be like, yes, of course, Bob Dylan is a great musician and he's successful in the music business. So uh-huh. you know, in like a logical possibility sense, right. you might say, well, the the, the answer's uh, um,
1: pretty clear. I mean, it could be that it's harder, you know. Can you run a marathon with no legs? Well, you can. People have done it. But most people have legs and and it's easier.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Well, you know, I I was thinking of it from like like a conflict of interest perspective. Yeah. Because, you know, like conflicts of interest, you know, let's say you're like an attorney. You don't want to have a conflict of interest because... Just even having that other interest there, it will sort of provide some undue influence that we can expect that somebody um, at some point will then compromise sort of what, you know, the thing is that they're supposed to do. So maybe from like a, you know, when I think about it as like conflict of interest, I think it it does make a lot of sense.
1: Oh, is the desire for popularity a conflict of interest for an artist? Ah, That's a good one,
0: because it's easier to see a potential conflict of interest between, say, money and your art but when it comes to popularity that sounds like people liking your art
2: i think it's it's logically possible but i don't know when when i see musicians sort of out in the world the desire to be popular can present itself to like the musician in like probably thousands of different ways and is there any guarantee that all a thousand of those are going to be completely consistent with their artistic integrity i think that's a that's a yeah, it's possible right but Maybe not. Well, uh-huh.
1: well, maybe maybe we could focus our mind on an example. Is there any time you've been thinking if I wrote that song, it would be a hit, but I'm not gonna.
2: I think I think it's difficult to ask me that question because I don't think there's any any point where I thought any of my songs would be hits.
1: So, so you're not <laughs> trying to do it.
2: Ah, wow. uh, I mean, I I have I have had songs that I thought like had like a, a poppier element to them. But I mean, I guess the way that I write songs is I try and write things that are autobiographical. And so for me, sort of, it's really uh, uh, a thought about like, am I saying something that expresses some some thought that I have that I think is of interest to other people?
1: So if you had a choice between a, a, a thought you had that would be of interest to a whole bunch of people, and one that would be of interest to just a few, and you had a limited amount of time in the recording studio. Would you ever pick the one that would be of interest to a whole bunch of people?
2: I would say no, but so maybe I'm lying.
1: But well, don't lie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think I think I'm in a little bit of a weird position because, like, be, because I'm working as an attorney. Actually that's one of the reasons why I think it's good that I'm working as an attorney is that I I basically I, I don't need to worry about money.
0: Yeah,
1: I see. Would you like to say to the other people at the uh law firm, so long suckers, I've become the next Billy Joel, I don't need to work as an attorney anymore?
2: No. No, because I definitely do. <laughs> you mean you mean like if I if I was
1: If suddenly you found that you're a hit machine,
2: yeah 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 yeah. would
1: that be preferable to punching the clock at the law firm
2: i don't think so but that's that's only because i i think because i write stuff that's very autobiographical i think it's important as part of that that i need to kind of like live not like a completely average life but i have i have to have like a life that's relatable in some sense or another right but you, you have all these musicians that like they they get their big hit through right and then they start writing th- then the, they can only write songs about um about how you know how it's terrible that they're a famous musician or <laughs> of, right, right like
1: hotel california <laughs> is like we're so sorry that we're successful like well I'm <laughs> me a river <laughs>
2: I think counting crows along December is about his uh he's he's already famous and that's on his second album, right
0: <laughs> there's a lot of that that's for sure, yeah, yeah, how lonely and how but terrible I, I don't know yeah.
2: i i I do think it's important to you know is being an attorney the most relatable job you know I don't know, but I think you know working Monday through Friday like that's it's it's important to go through things that everybody goes through in order to you know write stuff that is both relatable to people and also like enlightening to people from their from from their perspective you got to have some continuing job experience Mm so otherwise i think you lose that that i don't know
1: Uh, i mean i don't know if your clients are listening to this but i'll ask it anyway like (laughs) are you just doing uh law cases to have material for your next song because it it seems like (laughs) like like that could be a conflict of interest too right (laughs) Like you'd be less incentivized to to like I need to write a sad song. Maybe I want to lose a case so I can write.
2: I I try I try very hard to not incorporate Good. and it's, it's, nothing nothing directly. I you think, know, there I think be... that's
1: against the canons of ethics, right? If
0: <laughs> <laughs> You can't name names, that's for sure. Okay. That's in psychoanalysis, it's actually, I'm told, that you have to actually change the content of the case studies in the mental cases so that it's not identifiable, even though you don't use the names. In other words, you have to fictionalize the case studies mm. as an ethical requirement. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. it, require, it needs to be fictional so that nobody can trace it back to a real-life case. And... Yeah.
2: Oh, Okay. I guess you'd, you'd have to you'd have to make sure that the names were similar in terms of people's reactions. Because mm-hmm. if, like, the study, the person's name was Pam and then, like, you anonymized it and you changed the name to Hitler, that probably would no. affect things. Or the other way around, uh-huh. that would.
1: <laughs>
0: Hitler liked to go by the name Pam, actually. It's not well known, but he preferred that. Yeah, in the clubs, of, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, let's return to the topic, shall we? Yes. Because so, whether or not you really want to have a hit, yeah. That's a separate question. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: But I guess I guess my question is, like, supposing you did, supposing you were like, I want to be the next Billy Joel. I want to be the next Sir Paul McCartney. Um, Would that make it hard for you to be honest or hard for you to reach your artistic goals in your music?
2: I want to tell you that it wouldn't affect any of that but i think i would be i think i would be lying if i didn't sort of acknowledge that 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 desire would affect the way that i did things
1: so do you do you think billy joel would have done better music but like could he be better or could the beatles have been better if they weren't trying to be famous and rich
2: I, I mean, I would I would have to say yes. I mean, I I guess I, I don't have any way to really like test that
0: out and and see how it would shake out. How do you think it actually affects music like you like a lot of popular music like I mean, you don't a lot of popular music, I think is made by a lot of people who are extremely ambitious and want to be famous and want to be celebrities and want to hit it big. And I'm not a big fan of a lot of popular music. I think mainstream popular music, but a lot of my friends who are more serious musicians have a greater appreciation of a wider variety of songs and music than I think I do. Because it's easy to be picky when you're an amateur. But you, you don't have contempt for the whole pop music sort of scene, or or do you think how much of it do you think is contaminated by just a desire for? money and fame and celebrity uh, uh as opposed to making great music
2: mm, is, you're asking lots of difficult questions
0: um that's that's the idea that's the spirit difficult they're supposed to be terrifying but uh difficult <laughs> we'll settle for difficult yeah
2: <laughs> i mean look i i think that there there is a place and purpose for a lot of popular music like you know it's really nice to just have music that like makes you want to dance. And there's something that's nice about like being able to dance and just relax and like have fun and have a good time. Um, I do think that there's questions about like a lot of my music. I, I think I I have like a moral purpose for it in the sense that I, I want to expose people to something that, they may not have an immediate affinity to because the the goal is to provide them with some some new information or some new thoughts that might sort of change what their point of view is and you you might
1: could you give an example
2: i I don't even remember what my songs are i
1: mean you don't have to sing it although that would be great but if you just say sort of Uh, uh, something that would be an impetus for a song like what's what kind of new information do you want to expose people to
2: well so for instance the, the last record that i did was it was it was really thinking about like the perspective of people who had sort of left the church when they were younger but had like very positive experiences with the church like when they were growing up And the idea of thinking about like spirituality and religion as being something that's consistent with being gay. Like I I have a song about like my sort of thinking about like what it would be like if I was to have a child and sort of, but putting that in like a religious context. Um, I have a song sort of thinking about one of the... uh, they don't call it chapters of the Bible. Books, one, books the, yeah. one of the books of the Bible, sort of reimagining it as, um, as like a gay love story, hmm. and I, I think which one? Uh, <laughs> name of the song.
1: Um,
2: what is the name of the song?
1: Could I think David and Jonathan? Is it Gospel of Hope?
2: Gospel of Hope. That's it.
1: Uh huh. So, are you a gay Christian? <gasps> Like, is this something that you're dealing with in your own life and in your music? Uh,
2: I, it's something that I dealt with on that record. I mean, uh-huh. I so I don't know if I get to say if I'm a Christian. Or not. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think there's, I think, I think I have, I think I have, pretty abstract views on that. Um, would would people who everybody acknowledges our christians say that i'm a christian i'm not sure i think there's some people that would i think there's probably a lot of people that wouldn't
1: but you like forgiveness um, like just in a sort of a first approximation yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. Love and forgiveness. i mean you know
2: even from like a moral perspective i, I i'm 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 down with all of that stuff and i think it's i think it's great um, in fact that that's that's that was part of the impetus to the record is that I, I do think that there are a lot of great things about Christianity and um you know
1: like what are your top three?
2: Top top three <laughs> things top three things from well, you know, forgiveness is a good one. You know, there's this there's this general idea, which is the opposite of the prosperity gospel, uh-huh. which is that you know, we should expect to do things not because We expect some equal benefit in this life. Ah. It's not because of that, but, you know, for actually, I don't know if the Bible says what the reasons should be for. But, you know, the the idea that the reward isn't something that we should expect in this life. Nevertheless, like you should still act morally. That's a very Christian thought.
0: Right. Right. For its own Um, sake. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Despite the fact that prosperity gospel is like one of the... (laughs) Biggest movements in Christianity. It's a very
1: recent perversion of the doctrine, <laughs> yeah. as I understand it. Well, yeah. well, let's take a little break and come back because, because I, I just thought of a way to sharpen this question. Um, Excellent. But we'll take a little break. Okay we we came back from the break and it wasn't a real break but we came back from the break um so what i'm wondering is if you if you in some sense believe in love and doing the right thing even if it doesn't make you a worldly success mm. that that that's that's sort of your message and you're writing in a capitalist country where people don't think that mm. then maybe maybe for you to be like a person of integrity, you have to push against what the market wants because the market would be happy to have a song about like, I don't know what, what's an (laughs) exact, I'm, I I, I feel like I'm saying this, I I feel like I've got a point, but I'm having difficulty expressing it. Like, is there a famous song which is an example of the prosperity gospel?
0: There's a lot of songs that are just about partying and having a great time. And,
1: right maybe you wouldn't want to be Jimmy Buffett like you wouldn't write a write a whole song about how great it is to like drink margaritas and feel sorry for yourself because you don't think that's true
2: No, no I I mean I I do think that there's something that's nice about that but I I I guess for me like my my purpose for music isn't really you know there's somebody doing that already
0: it's (laughs) <laughs> or was until recently. Yeah.
2: <laughs> not not Jimmy Buffett anymore, but there, there's, there's, there's people right. that are doing that music and providing that good. But, you know, I, I, I think there's a special need for musicians, especially to sort of push the envelope in terms of thinking about sort of new messages that people might not be comfortable with.
1: Right. Right. If you, if you actually want to push people beyond their comfort zone in terms of like love and understanding, then You've got an anti-popular telos, you know, <laughs> because most people prefer to be comfortable, right?
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. You know, I, w- I will say there are there are plenty of musicians that are, you know, popularity is a very kind of like. Uh, locally defined thing Mm -hmm. i'm sure that what 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 was that one song that the person wrote about sort of richmond north of virginia
0: oh yeah richmond north of richmond yeah Yeah, right okay right
2: so i mean I, i i don't know what his actual views are but you know Billy Bragg's probably not trying to be popular with the crowd that made that song very popular. Nevertheless, like he's still sort of a pretty popular person.
0: Do people still get record deals? I guess they do. I, I'm afraid I don't know your situation with your recordings, your record deal. Are you with a, a label? I say, are you with a label? Like I know even what that means. <laughs> I hardly even know what it means. But is that still done? Is that still a thing?
2: It's it's still a thing, but it's not really. Um...
0: There's more indie labels than there used to be. I oh, guess. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, a yeah, more yeah. Common yeah. thing anybody cons- labels yeah
1: do you
2: yeah. tour no because i'm an attorney i can't go anywhere <laughs> i i have to i have to i mean i not, I, I stay mostly at home in new jersey uh-huh. I, I do a little bit of shows every once in a while i was in seattle or not no sorry i wasn't in seattle i was in portland about a month ago for a show. So people ask me to, to do shows and I'll occasionally travel.
1: Well, how many people are in your band?
2: Well, for that, it's uh, oftentimes it will just be me and the, the MP3 player, but sometimes uh, uh, I will have additional musicians that sort of supplement the. Uh, the the backing track that I had, so I I did a show with uh, I opened for the Hold Steady a few years ago, and I had you know it's it's a bigger show, bigger stage, so I I need more. It can't just be me. That would be ridiculous. So I mm. need to have some additional musicians that are on stage with me to to perform along with.
1: Do you ever pick up on an aesthetic dimension? Because when we were talking about ethics, it sounds like well, no one would really want to get their ethics from the audience. That that would seem like a An unethical way to approach your life but if you hear that like wow the audience likes this kind of rhythm would you ever be like well maybe i can see my way clear to liking that kind of rhythm
2: oh yeah yeah you know i'd be open to that so
1: what's an example
2: like uh i i have i have my they'll they'll take influence from other other musicians that i appreciate the you know at least some aspect of the work they're doing like the the first first song i ever released i still dream of the 90s The vocal rhythmic pattern is actually from uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. If you listen to uh, it actually may be Californication. Listen to both songs. You'll be like, oh, there's a similar it's different chords, but it's a similar, you know, a section, B section. And then the the lyrical delivery is similar. You know, I must have heard the song and sort of found it very catchy. But, you know, like it's I felt some affinity with the rhythm and that that's kind of why I picked
0: it up. I think sometimes we think of artists as more independent than they really are or like completely out of the blue original, because so many great artists have actually absorbed influences from things that are already popular Like, I'm just thinking of a few examples. Like, I guess I heard a story of the Bob Marley, the first time he was in London, was like sneering with contempt at all the people dressed in punk regalia and then sort of saw that it was a big thing and then started a little bit dressing more like that. Well,
1: he's got a lick from the banana splits in Buffalo Soldier. From the banana splits. The banana splits, oh, you know, oh. one banana, two banana, three banana, four. So that um in Buffalo Soldier was worry, 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 that's from the banana really? splits. Okay, well, there you oh, go. Uh, yeah. For example. So so here here's what I was wondering mm-hmm. about. Was like, supposing you've got a an an ethical message or a personal message that you want to get out there. Mm. And suddenly, you have the opportunity. Like you're you're opening for Taylor. Would you ever Pretty like good opportunity. be like, right? <laughs> I want to get my message out to these hundreds of millions of fans, so I'm going to compromise on my musical taste. So here's what I have to say about that. huh mm-hmm. Um, i
2: i think I think that there's there there are many musicians that the way that they think is best to sort of put out like a political message is just to like you know when you listen to the song this is horribly mean <laughs> now that i think about this but the way the way that they'll put out the song is they'll, they'll have like a catchy tune and like you know the chorus will be you know like rah rah whatever this message is and i
1: like we are the world's
2: yeah uh, sure we're, yeah we're
1: we're the world we're the children yeah, yeah, yeah it's a great thing to think about but it's not artistically winning any so, real prizes in heaven so i
2: i think i think the the thought is is that while that i think that there's something very nice about that and i think it certainly is a strategy i think the goal as a musician is to write the music in a way that it helps the person to understand the moral issue as opposed to just like sort of yelling the the moral issue at them. It's supposed to give them some, some insight into the reasoning. That's not exactly right, but it's supposed Mm -hmm. to motivate them Mm -hmm. so that they feel motivated to act kind of like in the way that like, if I was to get into like a, like a moral argument with somebody, I would use certain techniques. Like I would say, well, like, I want you to think about this from like from that person's perspective. And so like when they think about it, they start to understand and then it motivates them internally in a way that they become a better person. Is is the hope.
1: Yeah. That's a worthy goal. Yeah. So I'm, my question is, would you ever sacrifice your musical taste in order to achieve that goal?
2: I think that if, if, adopting you know this rhythm or that part if that actually played the role of motivating them then i think that i would have succeeded in my artistic goal
1: so there's nothing where it's sort of like like i don't know what it's like well, i'll give you an example from comedy writing which is i in my personal life i like to be deadpan um because i think it's kind of fun because it's kind of fun not to make it clear if I'm making a joke or not. And then if the person who's listening to it laughs, then I feel good. <laughs> Cause I feel like it's kind of like a more fun game
3: mm.
1: and it's a little more respectful to them as a person. So I like that. But when I'm writing for a sitcom that's supposed to hit a mass audience, at least the people I work for are like, don't do that. The audience is not confident enough in their artistic taste. And if they don't know it's supposed to be funny, they're not going to laugh. So there needs to be some sort of signal when there's a joke. Um, kind of like
2: the laugh track and, if there wasn't a laugh track. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. And to me, I guess kind of, I kind of got over it and I'm like, okay, in this particular job, I shouldn't be deadpan. There should be some sort of sense in which when I'm making a joke, people know that they're jokes. But I feel there's a conflict. And, and let's just say, you know, for the sake of argument, that the the shows that I'm writing for have a really good moral Message. They're teaching people to respect people of different orientations, or they're teaching people to respect science or to forgive each other or what have you. Mm. So the moral message is there. But then sometimes I feel that my own aesthetic values push against the demands of the popular medium. And I'm wondering if you ever feel like that a long-winded question and it was 90 percent against about me which i is not my it's, it's not my goal it's not my artistic practice for this podcast but i couldn't figure out a more efficient a way sacrifice to say you're
0: it you're willing to make though for the for the purpose yeah, yeah of, i was
1: willing yeah. to make it and i did
2: you know the the closest thing i can think of is sometimes people will ask me to uh to do like a cover of a song because they're like oh you know that's that's a it's an easy way to get more ears on something is to you know if you do a a cover of some famous song like it'll show up and Mm -hmm. and you know i haven't i haven't i don't think i've i don't think i've released a cover of anything i Mm. i i would have difficulty doing that if i especially if i didn't feel especially if i didn't feel the song like i didn't feel like i Mm -hmm. could do like a good a good spin on it but i guess the 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 example would be like you know let's say you don't really feel the song and but you'll get like a ton more ton more listens if
1: like in music is there anything that you're just like that's corny that's a corny thing to do. I don't like it yeah like it what would be an example
2: well i I'd like to do a lot of corny stuff, but a, an example of corny would be a, a half step key changes through. <laughs> Uh, that, that, but there's the that, whole that.
0: step key change that used to be like I think Neil Sadaka during these songs they go up a step
1: and that's a, <laughs> that's a bump it's like a thing it's so corny it's so old fashioned yeah. yeah like I was thinking of like there's something that really plucks my nerves lyrically um, which is in the song Piano Man Billy Joel says there's a guy named Davey who is in the Navy and probably has been for life and I'm like you can't have a guy in a song named Davy and rhyme it with Navy. It really it I don't know. It seems it, it I don't know what it is, but it, it outrages me.
2: <laughs> I, I think it, it depends if he started with Davy and was trying to figure out a rhyme for Davy or if he started with Navy and was trying. To... <laughs> Does it? <laughs> yeah, I think I think you started out with Davy and you were like, oh, what's he gonna do? Oh, he's in the Navy. I think that would be more offensive because like, you know, the Navy's like there's a certain aura about it that's that's it's it's cheating just to kind of to to reach for that. If you started out with navy and it was part of the
1: I guess my yeah. <laughs> my feeling was that um like I love when somebody discovers that two things sound the same and, and there's a sense of joy and discovery and if you're going to take say hey I've got a song for you to listen to great I'm looking forward to it and it's got like really clunky rhymes like Davy and Navy mm. I feel like diminished as a human <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I I get it. I mean, I I I don't love I don't love rhymes, uh. So I can I can definitely I can definitely see that. What 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 I would say is, I I guess part of part of the difficulty I have with answering that question is I don't think of any particular type of musical property as something that's inherently bad, because it's it's, mm. it's always yeah, within yeah. context. You know, it's, you know, it's just like it's like with irony, you know, it's the context is going to immediately change any musical property that you have that, you know, I, I have a lot of songs where I think the line sounds corny, but if I deliver it very seriously, that gives it some like new meaning.
1: Well, right. I think like in the rooms, the women walk to and fro talking of Michelangelo, like it's funny. You can tell from the context mm. that he's being funny, <laughs> not that he thinks it's amazing that fro and low <laughs> rhyme. Um mm. So you have to give the guy credit. Um, I, I was once annoyed by the lyric. It's like, I want nothing but the best for you. And something, something, something you. And you know that song?
2: Sounds so familiar.
1: I think it's Adele.
2: Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it annoyed me because she was rhyming you with you. But then there's another song that I like. You've given me the best of you, but now I want the rest of you. And that's also rhyming you with you.
0: No, it's rhyming best with rest.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, so maybe that's why.
0: But I know what you mean. I th- that can seem like a cheat. Uh, there are cases in which
1: it's work. It works. I can't. When think you it right. rhyme a word with itself. Yeah. Uh, but I think, yeah, Stephen Sondheim does that sometimes. It can, it can and work. He's no slouch. It can work.
2: Yeah, but those gel songs have less words, so I guess it's it's a little less um, less. You know, and for uh, I've got, I, I'll, I'll get in trouble for saying this, but you know, for all I know, so she, there's probably like a whole, for a lot of these big acts, there's like a whole team of songwriters, right? So,
1: some of them are in Sweden, strangely enough. Yeah. Like a whole yeah. <laughs> team, like
2: eight guys, and they'll be like, What rhymes with you? And then they'll, Committee, Committee, how about you?
1: <laughs> I want nothing but the best for you. What is that song? It's bugging me. But that do, was a super do, duper do, duper do, famous do, song. Do, and everybody
2: do, loves it. Do, do. What song is that? Do
1: do 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 Yeah, what song it is, is that? Was
2: that Adele?
1: <laughs> and I definitely feel like if I'm with people of a certain demographic and they're drinking their wine and listening to that song, I, I'm not going to say what I really think of it. But I don't much like it. It just seems like. um it's too bad that songs like that are popular. I wish I wish better songs were popular. Mm.
2: Is the name of the song Someone Like You? I think that's the name. Someone of the- Like You. Song. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that song. <laughs> Interesting fact, there are recordings apparently of people of dogs listening to the song and crying. Oh really? the the fact that that happens means it has not just universal human appeal but just cross species appeal it's and
0: yet universal
1: mammal appeal
0: yeah but sometimes
1: <laughs> when dogs cry to songs we we take it as a sign that the song is not good right <laughs> they could be in pain yeah are they howling at how much they hate it yeah. or are they missing yeah, their true. mother
2: we'll never know
1: oh i don't know If we had a sufficiently lax animal (laughs) experimentation panel, we might be able to figure out a way to know.
0: What do dogs really think of
1: A good time animal experimentation panel. There
0: are other these videos of people playing a piano and cattle come up or elephants come up and they all come to listen. And people like to put these little inspiring little things of like, look how beautiful it is, how much they love the music. And I'm always thinking... I don't know that they do. They're, they're, they don't know what the sound is. And maybe they're disturbed by it. And maybe they don't like it. And maybe they're, who knows? I mean, it's quite opaque. I got a question for mm. you, Andy. I don't know. What if the Pepsi okay. Cola Corporation came to you and said, we want you to rejigger one of your songs. And instead of saying something, we, you say Pepsi. And it's a Pepsi commercial will pay you to do this, to substitute the word Pepsi for a song in one of your own songs, and then you'll, we'll give you a million bucks. And how about that? I'm trying to I'm trying to mm. generate a conflict <laughs>
1: of sort of business... You're a shit stirrer, Taylor. Business interest and artistic integrity. Because what, Neil Sedaka wrote, wrote, um I am stuck on band aids because Band-Aid's stuck on me. Oh, did he? Uh-huh. And yeah. the, what, what was how the original that? song something... that that
2: was the variation on that... <laughs>
1: No, he just wrote it from scratch. Okay, that's
0: different. That's just a work for hire. That's just, he's a gun for hire. He wrote the song, that's fine. You know, Barry Manilow wrote the uh, You Deserve a Break Today from McDonald's song.
1: Supposedly yesterday was originally um, Scrambled Eggs, You've Got Such Lovely Legs (laughs) when Paul McCartney was writing it. So it'd be like coming full circle if it became, you know. An advertisement
0: for scrambled eggs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hamburgers, (laughs) getting at McDonald's. I
0: I, I think that
2: the difficulty I'm having with that is that You know, it's not like sort of doing like a variation on my song to puts the word Pepsi in. It's not like it's interfering with like my project, which is like, oh, you know, like I'm working on another record. And so
0: it might taint that song though. Maybe it would ruin that song. The only version people would ever Would it make
1: people trust you less? Would they be less likely to open themselves emotionally to Saint Lennox if they knew that the same mind is trying to make them drink a soft drink?
2: I mean I guess it's really that that's that seems like a seems like a, a question that like I would be forced to try and run some utilitarian calculus because I'd be like oh but if more people saw me in the Pepsi ad then they would listen to the other songs and then you know maybe they I, I I I don't know what it looks like at that point you know and and mm-hmm. it's not like I would be I it's not like I would be you know putting out like a press release and I'd be like here is Here's my next work of shattering, earth-shattering beauty. <laughs> 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 it's the song, except a Pepsi at the end. Um,
0: okay. I was trying to concoct a scenario. There's, you know, when I first, I hadn't heard the uh, fiddle tune, Arkansas Traveler, before I heard the breakfast cereal advertisement. Old, <laughs> oh, no, not Arkansas Traveler. Golden Slippers. There was a cereal commercial for Golden Grahams. Oh, those Golden Grahams. Oh, those Golden Grahams. Oh, so the yeah. first time I heard Arkansas Traveler, I thought, oh, or excuse me, Golden Slippers. I thought, oh, Golden Grahams. And every time I hear it now, I think, Golden uh-huh. Grahams, the brand new breakfast cereal yeah. treat. And it's in my mind. I can't get when, it out of there. Uh, Arkansas Traveler is I'm picking up my baby bumblebee. That's the you, other thing. That's like people have heard that. When can't you were get it singing out.
2: the Golden Grahams part, was there a key
0: change? I, I I can't sing, so it may have been <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> no, it's just, no, it's not a modulation. Okay. That's just the sort of just, just going to... from the one to the four chord. I think.
1: Okay. 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 Yeah, I, okay. I can't wa- help but wonder whether the um, the utilitarian calculus is wrong—that whether we don't just sort of open ourselves up vulnerably to the world and to our listeners, and they open themselves up vulnerably to us, and if we start trying to sell Pepsi, then. Like, we're hurting ourselves. It's sort of like we're doing some damage to ourselves and to the part of ourselves that is connecting honestly.
2: Well, one question that I had was, well, but are the people who are seeing, oh, Andy did the Pepsi ad, are they forming that conclusion for incorrect reasons or bad reasons or for correct and good reasons?
1: I'm worried about how you would feel about yourself.
2: Uh, I mean... uh... What I would say is I don't think I would end up doing that. I can't formulate the exact reasons why I wouldn't end up doing that. I think part of it's because, you know, I've got a job. I don't need the money for the jingle.
0: I wonder, Andy, if I could suggest this. It seems like maybe you're less vulnerable to those kinds of temptations because, if you don't mind my saying so, your work is really original. I mean, your work is kind of like nothing else anybody's doing, I think. When I first heard you sing... You know, live you did that song that's on the latest album that I think I know Eric and I both really like the Arthur is at a Shiva song. Brilliant song, beautiful song.
4: Yeah, legendary tales in the work week, a strong man's of heroics and gin. I was drunk in the evening and then, and that's when Arthur walks to the door. I was just in a shiver today for the death of a good friend of mine. A towering figure in my early life, he was an excellent specimen. Hey Arthur, don't look away, no need to hang your head in disarray. You know that it's just a change, yeah, I've heard that it's just a change. It's just a change
0: So your phrasing is very unique. It's almost like prose language put into lyrical Mm. form. And so you're shaping it. I mean, it's not like you're so much like so many other bands that you could be sort of scooped up and tempted to do something like what you're doing, but just tweaked enough to maybe be a top 40 hit or something Mm. like that. So maybe your own kind of originality is shielding you a little bit from the temptations that might come along to your average boy band or generic um maybe Uh, this
2: maybe this goes along (laughs) it's very (laughs) complimentary you know maybe maybe part of the difficulty is that i just don't understand what that song would be that's like how would that work it would just be no of course you know i guess i guess
0: maybe that's but maybe that's like you enjoy a certain amount of artistic autonomy because you're so doing your own thing that um like it hardly even makes sense to imagine that
1: as a Pepsi commercial, <laughs> mm. right? I guess I think that doing your own thing is itself a moral value. Like being original and true to yourself is itself good. And it gives the listener the courage mm-hmm. to be themselves as opposed to false or packaged or produced. Well, so
2: so Taylor, to give you an example, so I have a song called The Greyhound Bus Song. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes. And that right, is about, right, right. it, it yeah. is,
2: it's, it's directly about a major corporation. I took the night buff to the ocean at the edge
4: of Alabama yesterday. Raymond to the ocean sounds, they glisten like the pictures from the magazines. You can't forget your troubles, maybe chase the blues away. Maybe come back better someday. On Greyhound, Greyhound.
2: But, you know, I think that worked for me because that's like I was writing about sort of riding on the Greyhound bus for many months. Way too much for many years, and I uh-huh. guess that that was something that's important to me. I guess the way that the song is sung too, like it is, it is almost the chorus presents itself as an advertisement.
0: Yeah, right.
2: Because that's that's the posture of the lyrics. But I think there that I didn't have any problem doing that. So I, well, first of all, Graham didn't ask me to the
0: <laughs> <laughs> They haven't come knocking on your door yet.
2: Yeah. Um, but but also like that was my story that I was telling and and sort of presenting. And you know, I, I will say on, on this next record I had there's gonna be another uh, another another company that's interesting. So, uh-huh. But uh-huh. that's nobody asked me to do it and then said just just chunk our name in there and you know we'll 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 give you the money.
0: Right. Right.
1: A strange story from Diane Warren, which is she was talking about, that she had written a song for the the Hunting Ground, which is a a documentary about campus rape, mm. and Lady Gaga was going to sing it. And the song is "You'll Never Know" until it happens to you. But she said, "I deliberately didn't say anything that made it about rape, even though in the song in the movie it's about rape, so that people." more people would like it Mm. even people who weren't raped if something else bad happened to them they could share the message which is it's it's not precisely your pepsi example but it's Mm. sort of Mm. related to it it's like this decision you know often people from some kind of group will wipe off the serial numbers Mm. of their own experience so that the whole mainstream will will say oh it's about me and and it doesn't have the specificity of the actual experience
2: well i mean the, the the way that you tell it it's it's possible that she she made she made it as an artistic decision that she thought that the message if it reverberated to other contexts in a way that was powerful because you know what what she's what she's out what it sounds you know i haven't heard the song but what it sounds like for the song is that what she's identifying as an important feature about rape but which also applies to other cases is that everybody thinks that they're the exception and then there's there's a kind of Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know uh, cognitive dissonance that happens when they realize that they they are in fact gonna you know uh, potentially one one of the victims and that that's something that can be uh a powerful point to make in multiple different contexts. So yeah, I, I guess that kind I can of, I can see it.
0: That kind of understatement or discretion might make it actually more powerful. I was thinking about that same thing. I'd also don't know the song, but if I heard it, it be the lack of specificity makes it more universal and draws more people in, not just for popularity's sake, but for empathy's sake. You know, a lot of uh, you know, all in the Greek tragedies, all the bad stuff always happened off stage and it's more powerful for that reason, right? If they actually show it, it's somehow doesn't have the same effect. Right. In the shower murder in Psycho, I think you don't actually see right, a knife right. touching skin. Mm-hmm. At any Niall um, Connolly has a number of songs, I think, that do this really artfully. There's one that's clearly about depression, but I don't think the word occurs anywhere. But the chorus is just uh, the singer, the narrator saying, if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to talk. But if Mm, you want to talk about it, you can call me any time. It's a great song, and you really – you know what it's about. I mean, that's something you would say to somebody who's going through something really rough. And uh, Anyway, so, yeah, that's an interesting, ambiguous case because you could say, look, I want more people to like this and to identify with it. But they might do so because it's a better song for this reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah. You you can think of many (laughs) – probably more offensive ways that it could be made more universal in a way that could be problematic i guess yeah i can't come up with that off the bat yeah. but yeah. you know it, it sounds like there there was at least like a tasteful way in which it was in which it was done
1: yeah and you know yeah supposedly um ring around the rosie is about the black death oh yeah 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 but if you were to say to a bunch of kids Hey, do you want to learn a song about an <laughs> epidemic from the 1400s? They'd be like, I don't think so. That doesn't sound like that's something we're interested in.
2: Well, well do, do, do you do you think like during during the Black Death era that the songwriter was like, oh, well, I'm gonna make it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put the words Black Death into the song. That would just be too obvious. Let me.
0: I mean, I guess it would be tasteless. No, they,
1: they, I guess I don't think.
0: that. <laughs> It was a team of songwriters. I think they agreed about this. Let's say I think we've gone over the edge, guys. I think we need to scale it back a little. Let's walk it back a little and say posies. How about a pocket full of posies? But I,
1: I do think when people speak in elusiveness and riddles and rhymes, mm. they like it. Like I think there's a part of, I, and almost I think it has to do with like um like it's a kind of intimacy. If I know what you're talking about and you know what I'm talking about and we don't need to say it, it kind of draws us closer mm. um mm-hmm. and it makes me feel less alone, I think, so like if everybody is dropping dead from the Black Death, you don't need to say the Black Death, like yeah, <laughs> no kidding, <laughs> you know
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 because there's there's uh you are connected enough that you can have that unspoken understanding,
1: yeah, okay, yeah yeah, the most powerful words are the unspoken ones, right, Taylor? you've you've got that in one of your one of your philosophy books. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very important. Uh, heard melodies are sweet, but unheard ones are
0: sweeter. Oh okay. Hmm. I, I can think of a lot of examples where that's definitely true. Light touch yeah. is very uh, nice.
2: Oh, so here wh- wh- while I'm here, so a few weeks ago, <laughs> I said I would bring this up. I saw merrily We roll, yeah Steven Sondheim. It has uh uh-huh. some famous people who are like the main star. I already forgot their names. I'm just I'm just not good at keeping up with names. Uh, but it has uh Harry Potter, what's what's his name
1: as Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel
2: Radcliffe is one one of the main characters. And the general posture of the musical is that these of these three friends, there's two in particular that have a very significant disagreement because one of them has gone on to become sort of a big Hollywood producer and the other doesn't want to do that. And he ends up just, you know, continuing to write musicals that have much less renown. And part of the reason for the disagreement is that there was uh, this one musical that they were going to write together called, it's called like Take a Left or something like that. So it's a political thing with a lot of, you know, integrity and Sounds really nice. They never ended up writing it together. One went off one direction, and the other one off the other direction. And the the premise there is that well, um, the one guy wouldn't continue writing these more popular musicals because for him it was a form of selling out, Uh and that's how they end up sort of at the end. No spoilers, uh, but at the end, sort of they end up not really staying friends together. And after it, the one thought that I had and I, I feel like it relates to to what we're talking about. I commented to somebody is, I wonder if this musical is no longer relevant because I actually thought, well, part of me thought the opposite of this question, which is that I don't know if people think that being sort of rich and famous sort of in the musical sphere is inconsistent with doing great work. and. I guess part of the context for this is that, you know, there's this phenomenon with like Pitchfork and and other sort of large music outlets where they just don't write bad reviews of everything and they also tend to write about sort of stuff that's like they're not going to write about it if it's not famous because of how the algorithm works and they want to get as many clicks so they got to write about famous things and so I, I was wondering if maybe like society now at this point is such that they have already stopped believing that there is some conflict between those things
1: and i don't know that's 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 well so much the worse for society though right like that that's just a bad that's thing that's what
2: i think <laughs> But nevertheless, there are these big institutions that seem to be part of a, I don't know, every once in a while, Pitchfork will write a scathing review of one artist, but it will be the exception that proves the rule, oh. right, that they tend to write very, very over the top, like amazing things about every famous thing that comes through that they write a review about and so maybe the spirit of our time right now is that they don't believe so much in this this conflict between
1: right but i wish they did like i remember everyone was getting on martin scorsese's case oh. when he said something and i'm paraphrasing oh yeah well most movies nowadays are garbage <laughs> and you might as well be on a roller coaster ride and movies are capable of much more and i'm not going to talk to you about iron man 5 And people were like, what a snob you are. How mean. But I feel like it's actually a compassionate point of view because it means we're capable of something more than watching Marvel
0: movies. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Am
0: I right that the line between reviews and advertising is very blurry? Uh, All kinds of things are called reviews. And it's the same thing with the news, that there's an
1: increasingly blurry line between news reporting and editorials.
0: Yes. Well, when when somebody
1: uh, handles my insurance claim, they say, and can you please write a Review saying that I did a good job. I know, and of course I will. <laughs> but I think it kind of makes the review not a very reliable system, <laughs> <laughs> right? So-called reviews. Yeah. Going back to this,
2: there's there's conflicts of interest though, because they know that in order to, I'm sure this is this has happened with media in decades and centuries past. But the way the system is set up, there's more of a conflict of interest because they re- rely on revenue for you know based on clicks and in order to get clicks they need to get in the algorithm and
1: well i i don't know what else to say about this and people are missing out like the audience is get is missing out on a whole range of experience of their souls if everything has to get through this algorithm before you even hear it
2: oh yeah no, don't know I, I i i agree And, you know, the writing itself, especially if it's sort of too overly positive, like it's really going to fuck with people's minds because,
3: Mm.
2: you know, it puts like a whole language sort of in their head about how to sort of evaluate music. And it's, it's it. I don't know, I I think it'd be it it can be a kind of
1: miseducation. You could be in pain and think you're the only one who feels that way because all the songs are so happy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, could you say more about that miseducation? Like what what are the signs of the musical miseducation oh we're getting so and-
2: like like a uh- Uh, I mean, I I can't think of a specific example here, but a very common phenomenon, which I imagine you've probably run into is you see somebody talk about, you know, a new record that's come out, right? And they talk about it as as if it's their opinion that they've espoused. But in fact, it turns out like they happen to be using a lot of the same language from like a certain review. So you know that they read it online somewhere. Oh, and it's already sort of become part of their part of their reasoning now. And maybe they aren't even keeping track of like well is this a thought that they had you know certainly they must there must be some sympathy that they have with the thought that was uttered in some article that they read nevertheless there seems to be some extent to which they don't understand the extent to which they don't have control over the opinion that they've formed
1: right so they're
0: repeating the words it's like chat gpt it's recycling yeah, the language you, and, you, um, you know when you're at a cocktail yeah, party yeah
2: and there's some like new thing that's, you know, some some topic comes up yeah. and then two people start talking about it, and they're like, oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. And it turns out that they were both reading the same Wikipedia article.
1: Uh-huh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe somebody needs to step up and sort of um, do more kind of, let's call them honest objective reviews, critical writing, because it's pretty unfashionable. I think um, mm. there's some of it around, but there's so much kind of positive hype Promotional Mm. hyperbole about stuff that it's it's not honest, right? And there's something ugly about the really nasty critical. Oh yeah, I mean nobody likes a critic who just hates everything.
1: It's
2: dishonest in the other direction.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, or otherwise we're just going to get so flooded with sort of plastic speech that no one will know what anyone really thinks, and no one will know what they themselves think, and. No one will be able to find honest music, and it's a bad scene. You know, it's
2: very difficult, though, and I understand how it comes to be, because the the fact of the matter is that companies don't just need the money to sort of, like, keep the the lights on and whatnot. The music writers need to be paid, and they they do need to be paid. Mm. Oh, they (laughs) do. But there's a whole system that makes it very difficult. Another example of the language thing, there was this, uh, every once in a while, every few years, there's an issue about you know, whether somebody has copied somebody else's songs, mm-hmm. you know, with this new song that they've written. And it was the most annoying thing. There was a, there was some was a music, there was a music writer that had also posted their thing about like, yeah, I know it's, and the, the word that they use is, it's got the same chord changes and I wrote them an email uh-huh. and I said, they're not the same chord changes. Uh-huh. They were different. That one was like a five chord in a certain place, and one was a four chord in a certain place. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it was like pretty much the same. And I was like, "But it's not the same chord changes. You can't say that." And the guy, the guy sent an email back. He's like, "Oh yeah, I know. We'll look at this." Blah, blah blah And then of course,
1: nothing happened. But you can't copyright a chord progression. <laughs> if you if you want if you want to drive a car, or much less like drill somebody's teeth for money, you need to pass a licensing exam. But not so for journalists. You, you could just start writing stuff about chord changes, and and if you say something, and, and also if you if you pull the wrong tooth, you, you could lose your license. But that's also not true for music journalists. You could say something incorrect about a chord change or whether we ought to go to war in some country, and you could be completely wrong, and you don't lose your license. It's a shame. I'm not sure how to fix it that shocks problem. the sensibilities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I just feel much journalism nowadays about issues like music and art and so forth is by people who really ultimately don't think it matters.
0: Hmm.
1: They don't think it matters. And it's it's for them, it's the same thing as whether a certain candy tastes better than another candy. And, and I think it's a shame. I think it creates a sort of unacknowledged pain because people need... To feel that the emotions that they express through art matter and everyone is acting like they don't so it's like you're crying and no one is coming to take care of you
2: well well I, i i guess what i would say is i think that a lot of writers are put in a difficult position because you know, you have to write stuff on like a deadline. And like every week there's like, you know, over a hundred records that like are listed on, like on consequences, like albums coming out every week. And those aren't even, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. And it comes in, I think music writers are in a difficult position because they, you know, they're sitting there, they're not getting paid very much. They have all the stuff that they have to listen to. And yet they also have to write something sort of very profound and amazing that fully understands all the music sort of put out there. Every every week there could be like, you know, 20 amazing artists that sort of have mind-boggling things that they're saying in their music. And this writer's gonna process all of it. I think it is a little bit it it is tough for them.
1: Right. You hate the game, not the player, and that's fair. Um, but but like, should we then um should we raise some money? for an independent council of music reviewers who can who can take their time
2: i think there's something super valuable in that yeah um
1: take a little money from puppies because there's just so many puppies and put a little bit into this independent music reviewer institution
2: i I, I get i guess it's always a question with you know where 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 does the money come from because nobody Nobody wants to donate money to
1: something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I said I would, we're going to take it from no-kill shelters and turn them into kill shelters, it wouldn't be a popular proposal, <laughs> so I'm not going <laughs> to put that forward.
0: All right. Well, have we, have we answered our question? I think we have, because the question was, can you succeed in the music business without selling out? And um,
1: the answer seems to be yes. And, and I think we kind of revealed there's something corrupt in our current approach to art and you know what counts as success has sort of been corrupted
2: oh yeah definitely
1: but there's not necessarily a
0: tragic compromise or tragic conflict between artistic integrity and
1: success success can mean or there might be one in the world in 2023 yeah like it might not be inherent but it might be that it's hard really hard
0: yeah Yes. Yeah, and you're lucky if you've got a day job and you've got a really original act, so you're not tempted to be sucked into changing your act just enough to get the million-dollar Pepsi commercial.
1: It's almost <laughs> like when we when we made the transition from uh, the Greek city-states to uh, the Roman Empire. Could you succeed as a philosopher without selling out? Ah, well, you could, but it was harder. That's for sure, because <laughs> you were very likely to wind up committing suicide. <laughs> to save your hide yes i recommend to anyone who hasn't read it dying every day uh this book about seneca and the court of nero was i was just really-
0: gonna say seneca is yeah. a, a
1: instructive and case not, not the right. orange juice, seneca yep. the, the philosopher seneca
0: well okay <laughs> i think we've reached a state of relative um Absolutely. equanimity thank you andy yes. for joining us thanks for joining for this us andy. episode thank you for having me you've got a new album coming out when
2: it's, it's not finished. Uh, I'm, I'm in the process of recording it. Hopefully should be done in a few months. And then the album release cycle means it's going to be probably another six months out from that point. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping fall of 2024. Well,
1: come and perform in LA. I'd love to come to see you in person. Yeah, of course. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening, listeners. Yeah. See you Bye. next week.
4: I took a trip down to New Orleans yesterday to get away from it all. Raymond said, I'd soon forget the time we never spent in New York City. You can't forget your troubles. Maybe chase the blues away. Maybe come back a new man someday.
0: This podcast is created by Eric Kaplan and Taylor Carmen. It's edited by me, Taylor Carmen. produced by Amanda Eberhardt. And the cover art is the work of Tony Millionaire. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as Terrifying Questions.